Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Father Michael Kaiser. The time for all, the end of all things is at hand. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. At the time that St. Peter wrote those words, the end of all things is at hand, it probably seemed as though the end of all things was. The Lord had risen. Uh, he had appeared to Simon and to Peter. The church was established. He had ascended to heaven. Pentecost had come. And it's un, it is likely that most Christians at that time believed that everything was going to be wrapped up very, very, very quickly, rather than another 2,000 years down the road as we try to figure out, you know, how do we persevere in the Christian life. And certainly this period of time between Easter and Pentecost, which includes the Feast of the Ascension, for most of us seems to be kind of a hiatus. We've celebrated Easter for the last 40 days and said Christ is risen, indeed he is risen, uh, had feasts and celebrations and services and all kinds of things to commemorate the 40 days that our Lord was among the apostles until he was taken from them. And some people have asked, you know, I get the question occasionally, well, why did he leave? Why was it necessary for him to go anywhere? I mean, they seem to be having a pretty good time hanging out, you know, I mean, it was okay. Uh, they had him back, they thought they had lost him forever. Uh, he was still teaching them very, very interesting things. Uh, why was it necessary for him to go? And he told them, it is expedient to them that I go, because if I do not go, then the Holy Spirit cannot come. Now, we can sit around smoking many pipes and consuming much scotch and discussing what he actually meant by that. It really is rather relevant and not the point. The point is that he said, I must go. And that was a very important thing. Because if he had just been born, that would have been very nice. If he had suffered for our sins and death, embraced death on the cross, that would have been great. Our sins would have been forgiven. But then what? I mean, his work would not yet have been done. The reason the incarnate word of God, the reason God's Son comes into this world is to reunite created and uncreated, to reunite heaven and earth, to reunite God and man. I mean, the whole point of the Old Testament law was to try to get across to the Jews that you can't get there by your own efforts. And we've given you this law here, which you can follow as closely as you can and find out that you can't get there by your own efforts. You can't get there from here by yourself. You need someone to take you. You need someone to do that for you. And when Jesus is incarnate as the second Adam, the one who comes to restore the sin of the first Adam, which was to separate us basically from God, he does that. He takes us by the hand and leads us the way, on the way, in the way he lives his life, in his teaching, in his miracles, 
and all the things that he does that points to reunion with God the Father. But he himself says, it's, it's not about my own glory, it's about the glory of my Father in heaven. And the point is that I have to reunite you to God and Father in heaven because there would still be a gap, an abyss, a gulf, whatever term you want to use, that would have been between us and God, and God would have been there and we would have been here. But we still would have had no way to get there on our own. Jesus says that we will eat and drink at my Father's table and my Father's kingdom. How are we going to do that unless that last bridge, unless that last gulf is bridged? And so Jesus returns to the presence of his Father in the heavens, wherever that was. He has taken certainly beyond the sight of the disciples. You know, sometimes people think that this was a great metaphor. No, it's a historical fact. Jesus returned to the presence of his Father in the heavens. We don't know where that is in the cosmos. We don't need to know. It's beyond our sight. It's not something that we can have vision into. And he returned to the presence of his Father in heaven, not just as the incarnate word of God, but as the second Adam, the human being, Jesus of Nazareth. Remember, his makeup is completely unique. The eternal word of God comes and takes a complete and absolute human nature to himself, just like yours and mine, subject to all the frailties, subject to all the difficulties, subject to all the problems that it means to have a human nature, all the weakness, even the possibility that he could have sinned, otherwise the temptations make no sense whatsoever. And yet he did not sin. He never failed, fell into that. And so he takes our humanity and joins it to his divinity and makes one composite absolutely unique, God-man. There will never be another. There was never one before. And in so doing, takes created human nature and in the only way possible joins it to an uncreated divine nature which is God our Father whom he shares the nature with. Now that doesn't mean that we're becoming gods. We're not. We're still human beings. But through baptism into Christ we are baptized into Christ. We are baptized into his nature and therefore share, partake in the divine nature. In fact, St. Peter, in another chapter of his epistle, says, you have become partakers of the divine nature, still remaining human beings, still remaining sinful and fallen, but you will become partakers of the divine nature. So when Jesus ascends into heaven, and there was that marvelous movie that was done years ago called Mass Appeal, in which a young Catholic priest who has been sent to a church apparently to drive an older Catholic priest nuts, uh, on the Feast of the Ascension has the choir saying, I'm leaving on a jet plane, don't know when I'll be back again, kind of thing. It wasn't that at all. It was his taking this human body, which was now his, with the wounds from the cross, and taking that into heaven precisely so he could show his father these, this is what it cost us, you know. 
You think you get frustrated by them? They drove me around the bend. This is what it costs me, and yet they're ours. We did this for them. We have to save them. We cannot abandon them. And he will return in the glory of the angels to judge the living and the dead with those same wounds to remind us of what it cost him for us to be judged, to be entered into the kingdom of heaven. Only in this way can we enter into God's kingdom. Only in this way can we become one with the Father to the degree that we'll ever be able to become with the, one with the Father. The Father is always going to be beyond us. He's always going to be unique. He's always going to be completely and utterly divine. Only by sharing in Christ's divinity can we share in the divinity that he gives, uh, that he shares with his Father. Now, at the time of the Ascension, the apostles at least are less confused afterwards than they were before. They say, now you're speaking plainly. We understand what you mean by all of this. But that doesn't mean all their problems were solved. You know, they go back to Jerusalem, uh, feeling they had better answers than they had before. But they were the same fearful group of men who without Jesus being present there with them, just really seemed unable to keep it together. And there would be that same group of weak, fearful men until the tenth day after the Feast of the Resurrection, which is Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was a Jewish feast. It's not something we invented. Pentecost commemorated the giving of the Ten Commandments to Moses by the angels on Mount Sinai. So it was a big feast to the Jews. And for the Jews after Passover, it was the next biggest feast. So they've gone through Passover. Those who were with Christ have gone through their experience with him. And then finally, on that 50th day after Pascha, they're gathered together in the upper room and Jesus appears and gives them the Holy Spirit, personally. The same Spirit that is the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, that is the Spirit, Holy Spirit, personally, that is the power and the of, of Jesus and of the Father. So this is what changes these weak, sinful men into these powerful proclaimers of the gospel. All of a sudden, they find it able to go out and speak in other tongues. All of a sudden, they go out and be able to fight, say, say things they never probably would have thought of being able to say before. And so, quite frankly, if we are faithful to God and living within the Holy Spirit, being baptized into Christ, and we. That's the power that has been given to us. That's the power that Jesus gave to his church to proclaim to his gospel. It's the power that Jesus came, gave to his priests to proclaim the gospel. It's the power that Jesus has given to us and to so many faithful Christians who down through the centuries have preached Christ and him crucified to their friends and to their neighbors and to their enemies. It's not that hard to do. You simply have to ask God for help and speak whatever he says to you. So on Pentecost, which comes next week, we actually come to the absolute completion of the cycle of God's work in Jesus Christ his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension to heaven to reunite heaven and earth again, and then his sending of God the Holy Spirit 
to give us the spirit of faithfulness, the spirit of endurance. Because sometimes it gets hard. You know, it would have been real nice if Jesus had decided to come back on Pentecost and just wrap everything up and say, okay, it's done, you're in heaven now, have fun. But God is very, very gracious and very, very good. And he gives the entire world as much time as it needs to respond. How many times have you gone out there and found yourself failing? Well, if you're anything like me, many. And yet what we fall back on all the time is the fact that God continuously gives us chance after chance after chance. That God continuously gives us more time. As long as we are being faithful, as long as we are being, as we are persevering, as long as we are seeking what is the ultimate glory, and that is the praise and love of Almighty God, our Father, as expressed by Jesus and the Spirit. As long as we're doing this, as long as we're hanging on by our fingernails, we're hanging on. No one said you had to get holy by next Thursday. What you do have to be doing is being faithful, persistent, and expecting the Lord when he returns, and being able to make the best defense to him of your life that you can. And if all you can say is, I did the best I could, I suspect he already knows that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.